So, Brother Mays, we love you. And again, I want you to know I trust you behind this pulpit. I want you just to take your complete and total liberty and tell us what the Lord wants us to hear. God bless you. Take your liberty today. Amen. Let's love him right now. Amen. Let's love him. Oh, God. Come on, let's really seek the face of God right now. I don't want to miss it. There's souls hanging in the balance right now. Oh, God, I love you. I need you, God. Uh, I'm asking you, God, for your divine touch. Uh, I'm asking you, God, today. Uh, oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. Uh, oh, God, you're the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Uh, you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. Uh, oh, thank you, God, for a revelation uh, of one God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I will bless your name. I will bless your name. Uh, I will exalt you and magnify you, God. I love you and I praise you. I magnify you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Nothing is as important as the will of God. Nothing. Nothing is more important. I love my grandson. And... Uh, but nothing is more important than being in the house of God. Amen. And trust in God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated for just a moment. I, I want to talk to you for a little bit. I, when Brother Riggan asked me if I was available this weekend, I said, yes, sir, I am. And... Uh, Immediately, my mind went a certain direction, and I began to study it out, and uh, I don't know you men that feel a call on your life, Brother Regan will know what I'm talking about, you hesitate because you realize that souls hang in the balance on what you preach. Souls can be lost by just a few wrong words. preach different this morning than I've done in a long time. If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, 
Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. The devil's still lying today. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together made themselves aprons and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him where art Notice again the very last verse that we just read. Verse number 9, where the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? God asked Adam, Where are you, Adam? And it's from this question I want to preach from the subject entitled in the form of a question to you. Where are you? Man, I feel a burden. Can we lift up our hands, put our Bibles down? <laughs> Would you pray for me? <laughs> I need you, God. I'm asking you, God, anoint me today. I'm asking you, God, speak to us today, God. I'm asking you, God, let your anointing fall in this house. Not only let your anointing fall on me, let it anoint God the ears of everyone in this house to hear what the Spirit of God would speak and to speak to those that are listening. God online, I'm asking you, God, in your name. I'm asking you, God, in Jesus' name. I'm believing you for it. 
Oh, God, I thank you, Lord. I'm asking you in Jesus' name. God, I praise you and I magnify you. God, I'm depending on you today because I know within myself I'm nothing. I know without your grace and your mercy, God, I'm a miserable wretch. I'm lost and undone without you. But, God, thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you, God. I love you and I praise you. I'll exalt your name in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Turn, shake hands with somebody before you're seated. I want to say it's good to see Esther here today. Amen. Amen. Esther attended the church I pastored for a while, and... uh, my wife just felt a burden to call her and uh, ask her to come. And uh, thank you for coming, Esther. Amen. God's got something more for you. Amen. Amen. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we learn about the creation of heaven and earth, the creation of the beast of the field, the fowls of the air, we learn of the creation of man. God commanded to man. God's, uh, man's dominion over what God created. And uh, we also learn that God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man that he had formed. And after God did all of that, we learn that God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, God performed surgery on Adam. He took one of Adam's ribs. And uh, then God took that rib and he made a woman and he presented her unto Adam. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Toward the end of Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, read where Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Amen. God established the institution of marriage between one man and one woman that day. Amen. I know you've heard all the little funny ditties that God didn't make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve, and I believe that. Amen. And then God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And the first two chapters of Genesis close with everything seemingly perfect in an idyllic world. However, when we get to the third chapter, amen, where we take our text, it's entirely a different story. Now we encounter the tempter in the Garden of Eden. That old serpent, the enemy of God, that roaring lion who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And we read of the devastation he brings in with him as a result of the fall of man. It is here where man sinned against God. 
and fell out of relationship with him. Understand that our world is in the condition that it's in today because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Amen. Uh, We see and we hear and feel the heartbreak of God. Uh, But instead of receiving his wrath and judgment, we witness his love, his grace and mercy. For instead of killing Adam and Eve on the spot which he could have done, uh, instead of killing them, amen, for their disobedience, we read in the text scriptures uh, where the voice of God uh, came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Uh, And in verse number 9, God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? God asked a very simple and easy question. However, this question deals with Adam's condition more so than his position. Amen. However, Adam's position is in a direct result of his condition. So let me establish a very important fact right here. God knew exactly where Adam was. I said God knew exactly where Adam was. Not only did God know where Adam was at conditionally, God knew where Adam was at in reference to his location. Uh, God was not calling uh, for Adam as if he were playing a game of hide and seek uh, with Adam. God was not the least bit confused uh, about where Adam was in respect to his location. God knew right where Adam was because uh, if he didn't know, uh, then God would not be God. For God is omniscient, uh, which means that he's all-knowing. Amen. Uh, The Bible says in Hebrews 4.13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, uh, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him that uh, whom we do ha- we have to do uh, and further than uh, proverbs 15 and 3 very emphatically informs us the eyes of the lord are in every place uh, beholding the evil and the good can i hear an amen uh, The knowledge of God is what is referred to as totus oculus, which means all eye and all seeing. Please understand, God sees and knows all. So he knows exactly all about Adam's condition and his position without having to ask the question. So then if God was not calling in search of Adam to locate him, there must be another reason for God asking Adam in Genesis 3 and 9, where art thou? first need to understand that this question is somewhat prophetic. When we read it, it appears God just talking to Adam. But prophetically, he is not talking to Adam. He is speaking to all of mankind. God is speaking to the entire human race from that time that Adam and Eve sinned against God up to the point of time his spirit no longer strives with man. So even though the question was posed to Adam in the garden some 6,000 plus years ago, God was and is asking each and every one here today the same very question, where art thou? Oh God, help me. 
We must also understand the purpose of this question was threefold uh, and not just about Adam's location. Uh, first of all, this is a question to awaken man's consciousness uh, to the state of their condition. Uh, it's a wake-up question or a wake-up call. Uh, amen. Secondly, it's a convincing question, uh, a convicting question uh, designed to convince man of their sin, uh, to convict them of their wrongdoing uh, and lead them to confession and repentance of sin. It's a convicting question. Oh, anybody with me right now? And then thirdly, it's a searching question. It's a seeking question. It's not a question that's designed to find your location, but rather one to make you aware of your condition. Amen. For example, amen, a lighthouse sends its beacon of light. No, not so much to look for the lost ship, but it sends out its light to make the ship aware of the condition it's in and to warn it of danger. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and love him right now. Oh, God, I need you right now. I need you, God. I need you, God. Woo, God, speak to us today, God. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, uh, amen, it says, For the Son of Man uh, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. Man left to himself will not seek God. So God must seek man with a question that causes him to realize the condition that he is in and make the conscious decision to change before it is everlasting too late. Some people, uh, amen, mistakenly have the I found him uh, attitude uh, about God, but they're wrong because God was never lost. Uh, I said God knew where he was at. Uh, it is man that's lost. Uh, and Jesus tells us in the gospel of John uh, chapter 6 verse 44, no man come to me except by the Father which has sent me to draw him uh, and I will raise him up in the last day. Uh, I want to explain a little bit more in detail what I mean when I previously said that when God asked Adam the question, where art thou? It was not a question of position, but of condition, and that it was a prophetic question directed to mankind and the entire human race, though at the time it was only Adam and Eve. The first time the name Adam is mentioned in the Bible is Genesis chapter 2, 19, and it says, And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Amen. However, before, <coughs> amen, this Adam is simply called the man. Genesis 2 and 8 says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And then man was created in the image and likeness of God. He is not a creature merely evolved from a lower life form. Amen. I'm not a monkey. I'm no kin to a monkey. Amen. Praise God. I didn't mean to say that, but I meant it anyhow. So, amen. But man is created in the image and the likeness of God. 
Not in resemblance as far as hands, feet, eyes, mouth. Uh, because the Bible lets us know uh, in Luke 24, 39 that a spirit uh, doth not have flesh uh, and blood and bones. So man is created in the image and likeness of God as it relates to his will, his intellect, his emotions, his reasoning, and his thought. Man is given spirit, a body, Amen. And breath of God, which makes him a living soul. Uh, and he is called Adam by God. Uh, amen. Uh, God named him. And this is a very significant because naming something indicates relationship. Uh, so God named the man Adam uh, because of the relationship that he had with the man. Please pay attention. Amen. The word Adam means Rudy, to flush or to turn rosy red. His very name indicates Adam's origin as being made from the dust of the ground or the red soil. The name Adam also symbolizes mankind or the human race in general. We also need to note that the phrase after his kind or after their kind appears a total of ten times Amen. During the creation uh, uh, before God ever created Adam, uh, God created everything after its kind. Uh, in divine order, he created it so everything produces after its own kind. Uh, a cow doesn't produce a horse, uh, and neither does a dog produce a cat. Uh, everything produces what it is. Uh, therefore, mankind produces mankind, uh, or Adam produces another Adam. Not the gender, but the species. So when I said that it was somewhat prophetic when God asked Adam, where art thou? It was because Adam would produce Adam or mankind. We understand that God had a special relationship with mankind. He created man in his image and likeness. The breath of God made him a living soul. And God named him based upon that relationship that he had with him. And when you look at life as a whole, it's all about relationships. Everything from friendships, marriages, to local communities, cities, nations, amen, churches, entire civilizations are all built on relationship. And relationships require loyalty and trust. A relationship is a state of affairs, amen, existing between those having dealings with each other. In its broadest term, amen, it simply means that one object has a connection or a correlation with another object. It all begins with a relationship. And in fact, everything in our entire world, amen, revolves upon relationship. The way the moon affects the oceans is called a cosmological relationship. Even Einstein's theory of relativity, has one, how one thing affects another, is based upon relationship. Relationships are at the core of who we are as humans. From the Shakespearean dramas to the current top ten, and music charts. Uh, nearly every artistic expression is about relationships. Uh, songs of love lost and found. Uh, amen. Uh, tales of our deepest longing and greatest tragedies. Uh, whether it's an individual with a broken heart uh, or whole families and societies devastated uh, by relationships gone bad. Uh, relationships, uh, amen, reflect our deepest human struggle. They're not only at the source of our most profound joy. 
They're also at the source, uh, amen, of our most intense and extreme pain. Uh, relationships are what we are willing to kill or die for. Brother James, you'd kill for that little boy. You'd be willing to die for him. They're what we long for most. And at the same time, what keeps us up at night. It is in relationship that we find out who we are as humans and what matters most in life. From love to hate. Relationship is at the depths of sin and the heights of moral virtue. Compassion, sacrifice, forgiveness, trust, betrayal, murder, adultery, revenge. Each is rooted in some form of a relationship. God created woman because man needed to have relationship. God and man had this relationship. Women, you are included in this because God took a rib out of Adam and made woman. Adam called her woman because she was taken out of man. And he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So please understand that Adam produced after his kind, which is mankind, the human race. Because of this relationship between God and mankind, or Adam, there was communication. And communication is the very substance that holds the relationship together. You let a man and a woman not talk to each other, marry to each other, and not talk to one another for a period of time. Amen. That communication is gone. Amen. The relationship is gone. When Adam, when mankind disobeyed God and ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they immediately lost that communication with God and caused the relationship to crumble. It's mankind's fault. The instant man is out of communication and relationship with God, the first thing that they want to do is try to hide from him. In the Garden of Eden, amen, Adam and Eve tried to hide amongst the trees of the garden. And today people think they can stay away from church and the people of God is hiding from him. Oh, God help me. But there's no hiding place from God. God said it like this in Psalm, where David said it like this in Psalm 139. In verses 1 and 2 he states, O Lord, thou hast searched me, amen, and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Oh God, he knows everything. In verses 7 through 10, he says, Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. You see, there's no hiding place from God. Adam tried to hide, but God knew exactly where Adam or mankind was at. 
conditionally and uh, positionally. Uh, what is so amazing is what God did. As soon as man fell, God came down to seek out the lost. He didn't bring wrath and judgment. He brought mercy. And he called on Adam, where art thou? Adam should have been the one seeking God, for it was Adam that had transgressed. Adam should have been the one searching for God in the open air of the garden, uh, waiting for the arrival of his creator and friend, uh, looking forward to that long walk in the garden in the cool of the day. Instead, Adam who represents mankind, is the one that turned his back on God. It was Adam who broke God's laws. It was Adam or mankind the one that severed the communication with God. Adam, mankind, is the one that ruined the relationship. It was Adam that committed spiritual adultery. It was Adam's soul that was anxious, distressed, and fearful within him. It was Adam that needed to repent and seek the face of God for forgiveness. Adam should have been walking in the garden calling out to God but instead he tried to do the impossible and tried to hide from God and cover up amen the sin and what he had done from God God help me God help me but instead of taking the lives of Adam and Eve God called unto Adam or mankind Softly and tenderly, yet brokenheartedly, because God knew the relationship they'd had with man was now severed. God was brokenhearted because the communication they had once shared was lost. God was brokenhearted because what He created without fear is now afraid of His Creator. He was broken, He was brokenhearted. Because his creature he had covered with his own glory was now uncovered because of sin. Let's love him right now. Let's love him. God was broken hearted because he had gave Adam everything that he ever need and simply told him to till the ground and not to eat of the tree of good and evil. Every other tree, amen, was for Adam's pleasure. He had lovingly placed Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden of Eden and told them to be fruitful and multiply. And everything was perfect. It literally was paradise. But Adam, 
Adam disobeyed God and now he is in the position of hiding from his creator being lost and his condition is that of spiritual ruin. He was naked, no longer covered by the Shekinah glory of God. He now had the spirit of fear govern his life instead of the voice of God, the power of God and the love of God. Oh, he was once sinless. He is now sin. Oh, God, and as such he would receive the wrath of God. Oh, he is no more good, but now sin dwelleth in him, and his fleshly will is now to perform that which is evil. Flesh is now... Flesh is now warring against the law of his mind and being brought to captivity the law of sin, which has now taken control of his members. His very imagination has become evil. Oh, wretched man that he now is. But yet God called unto him and said, Where art thou? Where art thou? was a question of conviction. Designed to convince man of sin and lead him to confession of that sin. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse number 8, Jesus said, And when he, the Comforter, has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And when God called unto Adam and to mankind and said, Where art thou? It comforted mankind and let him know, This is not the wrath of God, but the love of God. This question opened up the wounds of Adam's and all of mankind's broken relationship, convincing him that he was lost. The conviction of sin is a supernatural work of the Spirit of God. It's more than just a bad feeling or a seemingly horrible imagination. Conviction of sin is a work of the Spirit of God upon the heart of man. And this very question, where art thou, pressed upon Adam's heart, caused him to think about what he had done. It was this conviction that produced a feeling of dreadfulness and caused him to realize the dishonor and the disgrace that he had committed in the face of God and exposing his soul to the very wrath of God. It was this same conviction that, that led those assembled to see what was happening on the day of Pentecost to pose the question that they did in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. What shall we do? It was a seeking question. A call that said, I'm hurt about what you have done. I forgive you. Come back home. Adam, mankind was lost. God called to him, leading him back to relationship with him. Oh God, it was a seeking question, a call that said, I'm hurt about what you've done. I forgive you. Come back home. The question, where art thou, pierced the heart of Adam like a spear, causing him to stop and think. Look at me now, O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Adam knew that everything I ever needed, God gave me. I had joy unspeakable, full of glory and didn't even fear 
I was covered with the Shekinah glory of God. I was in a relationship with God. I walked with God and talked with God. And he talked with me. But now I'm afraid of him. I'm afraid of my condition. I'm evil and he's good. God called Adam and said, where art thou? And God's still asking the question today to mankind, where art thou? God has gave you everything you needed in life. He gave you health and strength. Oh, he gave his only begotten son to die for you. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Oh, God, he became sin for us, not ever committing a sin. He was beaten, scourged, spit upon, and ultimately was crucified. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And he, for the joy of having a relationship of mankind again, endured the cross, despised the shame, died in agony, became our propitiation, suffering the full wrath of God in his body so that you and I could have everlasting life. And he's asking you the question today, where are you? you're here today without ever repenting of your sin and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, then you are a sinner that is separated from God. And as a sinner, you are in condition that you are in now because you brought it upon yourself. Sure, it was Adam and Eve that originally sinned and fell, but the question still remains today, where art thou? And it's personal. You have no excuse. If you die in your current condition, amen of sin uh, and you go to hell you can't blame Adam uh, you can't blame Eve uh, you can't blame the preacher or God uh, because God is asking you right now like he did in the garden of Eden where art thou let me bring it just a little bit closer to home To those that claim to be part of God's church. Where are you, church? You don't pray like you used to pray. Where are you? Where you at, church? You're not fasting like you used to fast. Where are you? You don't love souls like you used to love. Where are you? My God. Oh, God. You don't shout like you used to shout. Where are you? You don't dance like you used to dance. Where are you? You don't run the aisles like you used to do. Where are you? You don't worship the way you used to. Where are you? Don't read the word of God like you used to. Where are you? You no longer have a burden for the lost like you once did. Where are you?
you take your relationship with God for granted. Where are you? You become comfortable with your current condition. Where are you? You hardly talk to God anymore. Where are you? Where are you? Why are these pews empty this morning? Where are you? You keep finding excuses to keep you out of the house of God. Where are you? I don't want no music. I just want you to come now. I want you to pray. It's not about your present position. It's about your current condition and where you're at spiritually. Where are you? These altars ought to be full. Where are you? Where's your burden for a lost soul, church?